If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Welcome back to Four Blades in the House. Uh, and we're very, very honoured this evening because uh, we've got me, John. I'm here with Ian. Good evening, Ian. Evening, all. I'm here with Phil. Hello, all. I'm here with Dan. Evening, everybody. And uh, after having a great chat with Quinny the other week, we thought it was only fair to get Paul Devlin on to come and have an hour with us and uh, talk about his life in football and especially his time at United and uh, obviously what happened on that flight to Trinidad. So, uh, <laughs> good evening, Paul. Good to see you, mate. I'm all right, lads. You okay, fellas, yeah? Yeah, yeah good brilliant. So, yeah. should we kick off then? We... Um, so before you first fell at Birmingham, um, you were at Notts County. Yeah. Uh, how was that and what was it like to finally break through as a professional and stuff, be it a little bit later than some people? Yeah, it, it, it was brilliant. You know, it was something that I'd never never planned. I never wanted to be a footballer when I left school. I always wanted to be a chef. So my first job outside of uh, school was I tried to be a chef for a couple of years. Sort of drifted back into football, drifted back into football and boozing, really, at about the age of 17 with the lads in the pub. They started a Sunday team, went along and was sub for them all the time. I got on one game and did well and escaped from a non-league team down here, saw me, went to their youth team, broke into their first team. So really, I didn't really play football up until the age of 17 because when I was at school, it was when all the teachers were on strike. So we only had a team in the first and the last year. Uh, but each, each sort of um, season, I used to make a step high. It was nothing that I had planned till eventually yeah. Stafford Rangers signed me. They were in the Vauxhall Conference at the time. Uh, so it was a top top level of non-league. They paid a couple of grand for me from a team called Armitage 90. I had a season and a half there. Went on trial at a few clubs. Um, and then Notts County signed me. So I went really from within sort of 18 months being subbed for a Sunday league team to making my debut in in the old first division as it was, you know, and but people forget there was there was life before the Premier League, it was called the first division. Um for Notch County. Um, so was that so that was a was that quite a big step up then, obviously at the time everyone, everyone talks about a step up now, but it was still a big step up at that time, wasn't it, from Vauxhall Conference to playing top tier football? Massive. Uh, I always remember I made my I played in the last three games of that season that we got relegated and my debut was against Coventry. Uh, and at the time Coventry had Kenny Sampson who at that time was the most capped ever England fullback. Yeah. And he'd have been about 34, 35, then I was 19. And I'm come out of non-league and he'd Billy, Billy Big Bollocks, I'll run all over this old man today. I, I never had a kick. And he, he never gave me a kick. So, you know, you go, I'm going there all thinking, oh, I'm going to run all over and I'm going to kick him all over the place. And he was just he was just too good. So, yeah, it was a, it was a massive step up. And obviously... You know, it was great to be given the chance by someone that we all know well. We've all got different thoughts on him, but uh, Mr. <laughs> Warnock, wasn't it? That really good Notts County side with like the Short brothers, Draper, Tommy Johnson. Yeah. To- well, I just, missed, I just missed Tommy and Shorty, but we had Mark Draper, Tony Garner, 
Uh, yeah. Dave Smith, Andy Legg, Michael Johnson. Uh, and the following season, when Neil went and Mick Walker took over, um, we just missed out on the playoffs. We scored an own goal. Uh, we, had a, we had a Dutch kid left-back, Minder Dijkstra, and he scored an own goal in the last minute at the baseball ground, which stopped us from getting in the playoffs. So once we missed the playoffs, that team got broken up. Drapes went to Leicester. John, I moved on, I moved on. So it was a shame because it was a really good, exciting young team. That Nuts came to team at that, at that time. So when you had the option to go to County, you said you'd had a few trails as well. Was that was that the offer on the table, or did you have anything else? And and what was no. it that that you know was it a good chat with Neil and and it really encouraged you kind of thing? Yeah, well, I went for trials at Derby on and off. They had me down there about four times and said no. Uh, I went down to Oxford uh, a couple of times and uh, Brian Horton said, well, he's no better than what we've got. And then um, Liverpool came in for me, so I was up I was up and down at Liverpool for six or seven weeks on and off um, played in a couple of reserves did really really well they kept asking me back asking me back uh, and I put the second reserve game I played um, I played at the Albion and it was Ian Rush's comeback game uh, he'd had an Achilles injury and he'd been out for a year and about 8,000 people showed up at West Brom to, to watch him play so I played up front with Ian Rush scored the winning goal with 1-1-0 played really well and I thought oh, that's it I've, I, c- I couldn't have done any more but at the time Stafford the season before uh, had sold Stan Collymore to Crystal Palace for £100,000, which at that time was a record for a non-league teenager. So when Liverpool showed they were interested, I think Stafford said, oh, we want about two hundred grand for him, something like that. And that they were willing to offer 10, 15 grand check a punch on me. So it all broke down. Then, as soon as they'd heard I was back, Howard Wilkinson rang me to go to Leeds on trial. But I'd already been in train with Nuts Count for a little bit before. And I went to Leeds. Um, it was the middle of winter, freezing cold. I met Howard Wilkinson, I thought, fucking hell, how dour is he? You know, he had me in his office, and the, f- the first thing he said to me, well, I thought you'd be bigger. I thought, well, you've asked me up here, you know, I, I ain't rang you and asked for a troll. So I-, I went there for a week, done really well, played a reserve game against Newcastle, did well. Uh, they said, can you come back? I was up there Monday to Friday, they said, can you come back next Monday? We're really interested. I came back on the Friday, um, went to Nuts on the Monday and, and so on for that. I just got a much better feeling. Uh, about Nuts and I did Leeds but this this is how good my judgement is Leeds won the league that season and Nuts got relegated <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but he actually rang he actually rang me with Wilkinson uh, sort of a, a week later at home still living with mum and dad at the time and giving me a raw bollocking down the phone saying why didn't you give me the chance to speak to you and all that but again first impressions isn't it you know the first yeah. thing he said to me was that I thought well you know how much do you really know about me then if you don't know I'm only four foot eight so, uh, yeah, and who's to say, you know, I might never, if I'd have gone to Liverpool or Leeds, I might never have kicked a ball for the first team. As it, as it went, you know, I ended up playing 120, 130 games for Nuts County. It was a brilliant place as a young kid to start with. You know, Tony Agarner, who's a, who's a lifelong friend, a friend of mine, I spoke to Tony last week. Don O'Reardon, Mark Draper, people like, real, real good people. So, it all worked out well in the end. You said you played up front in that reserve game with Ian Rush. Were you playing as a striker then, or were you on the wing, or was it a bit of both? Well, it, it just used to depend. I mean, I probably, I probably played eighty percent of my career as a as a right winger, really. But I, I always had that ability where I'd go and play down the middle. And I used to love playing down the middle. You know, when when you're on the wing, you're a bit isolated at times. If if the midfielders or your fullback isn't getting the ball to you, it can look like you're doing nothing. Wingers are always the first ones to be bought off as well, which used to fucking drive me crazy. So I, I, I love playing down the middle, but, you know, it was just one of their managers. Managers knew that I could do a job from down there if needed be, but I, I did play right midfield really mostly. So 
So you touched on Mr. Warnock. Obviously, in that, it's hard to not think about him as a United manager now for us and probably yourself because that was your last time playing on uh, playing under him. But like, what what was it like at Notts County as a young lad? Were you? scary, scary? I've, you know, to this day, I've, I've never seen a manager. I've played for a couple who could blow the top. To be fair. But he was absolutely mad. Uh, and when I played for him the second spell at, at United, he calmed down 70% to me, and he was still around the bend then. But no, he was brilliant. Uh, what, what, I liked, what I've liked about Neil, you know, he'd say it as it is, and he'd say it to your face. If, if you'd been crap or he thought you'd done something wrong, he'd really, really tell you. But if you did well for him, he looked after you, you know, as an older player at, at United, myself, David Kelly, Pesh, people like that. He really looks after us. So I know I know he's got his faults and a lot of people don't like him, but you know, I'll be eternally grateful to him. He gave, he gave me my chance and you know, I played some probably the some of the best football in my career under him for a for a brief period at, at Sheffield United. So I'll always be thankful to know. Most players you hear that have played for him can't speak highly enough of him. And there's, there's several that have followed him around clubs and they, yeah. they sound like they've run through brick walls for him. So I think he's, you know, I think he's, he seems to have that effect on players, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a bit similar to Barry Fry. You know, I played for Baz as well, where they're not, they're not the greatest coaches in the world, but what they are, they're, they're good man managers and the good motivators. Uh, and, and, you know, and he, if he likes you and you're in the team and you're doing well, you, you want to play for him. And there's a, there's a lot to be said for that. I've, I've played for some great coaches who haven't got a personality, um, you know. And he, he was if if he was in your camp and you was in his camp, you would you'd want to run through a brick wall for him. And there is, there's been, you know, there's been half a dozen players in that he's took four or five different clubs. So you know, to to have the career that he's had and to manage the teams he has over the amount of time, he's do, he's doing something right, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's absolutely. He said how Wilkinson was really dour. Great tactician, but he got no personality, whereas Warnock's the exact opposite, isn't he? Yeah, Trevor Francis was the same. You know, um, Trevor was, you know, my hometown club, Birmingham, Trevor's God, he's God down there, he's, he's yeah. the best ever player. And, but he came in, just didn't see all to all with Trevor, you know, and his first year there, I'd scored 19 goals and was player of the year, but I just didn't, didn't click with him, didn't have that connection. And, and then and that's football, you know. Not every manager is going to like you, and you're not going to like every manager. But I'd have much rather applied for a, a Neil Warnock, a Steve Bruce, a Barry Fry who's going to grab you by the scruff of the neck and tell you, you know what, what it's all about, than someone who's not going to talk to you and get the hump and get someone else to come and come and tell you that they don't think you've played well. So I always preferred the managers that were a little bit in your face uh, and said it how it is, but never never bore any grudges. So when you went back to Birmingham, then when that when news that they were interested came about, was that a no-brainer? Are you a Birmingham fan as well? So from Notts, yeah, from Notts, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, one of my best pals in football is Michael Johnson, uh, and he'd um, he'd gone there a few months before, uh, and he said they were they were interested, and um, obviously it was Steve Thompson and Colin Murphy, they were managers at Notts at the time, and they, they were great. They just says, listen. Baz has been over, he, want, he wants to sign you, would you be interested? And, you know, being brought up in Birmingham, being a Blues fan, it was a no-brainer. When, uh, you know, when I went there the first day, I think there was about 60 players there. Baz had signed that many. We could have had, we could have had about five teams. But Baz was another character. But yeah, it was brilliant to get the chance to go to my, to my hometown club and, and play for them. So, yeah, it was, it was a no-brainer, really. And I, but I, I love Nacho. You know, I had four years there. And like I say, it was, it was a real good grounding for me as a, as, as a young player to start there and, you know, and have, have four years playing regular. 
But there were some good players at Birmingham around then as well, weren't there? Were you there at the same time as like um, Jose Dominguez and uh, Ricky Otto? No, I just, like I just I missed Jose. I missed Jose and Dice, but yeah, we had Ricky Otto, Louis Dono, had Jonathan on, Gary Poole, uh, you know, obviously John Old people like that. So I just miss so I miss Claridge and Dice and, and them, but yeah, it, it was still a, it was still a decent team. Yeah, and, and we obviously have just referred to Barry Fry's penchant for for buying a, a a good number of players. Um, does that does that create disunity in the team sometimes because you've got that many players and you know there's a chance he's going to mix it up and change yeah. it around a bit? I think Baz got away with it because everyone would just say, oh, that's Baz, isn't it? That's Baz. <laughs> so I think he would get away with it. I, I, the thing that always sticks out in my mind when we went there, because myself and Andy Legg, we signed in a joint deal. So when you get there, look, the local press want to do a picture with us both because we, we both come at the same time. And they couldn't find any training kit for us. And Baz always had, always had his mate with him called Gord, Big Nose Gordon. So this Gordon's fucking running around to try and get us some kit. All they managed to get us was two waterproof jackets, Birmingham waterproof jackets. Under the jacket with a t-shirt, I had, I've been to Ibiza t-shirt. So it was like, literally, I think, what the fucking found on the floor. And the only thing that, the only thing you can see is the Birmingham rain jacket. But Baz was great, I mean. I think, I, I don't know whether he still holds a record, but I know over sort of the last 10 or 15 managers at Blues, he was the only one that made a profit if you take all his signing. You know, he signed a lot of players, Baz. But he also signed a lot of players for like 100 grand that he sold for a million. I mean, Dicey, 100 grand, a million. Gary Breen, 100 grand, three and a half million. You know, there was Gary Paul, 100 grand, two million. He made a lot of money on some players. So I think I think he was a bit like the sports director of the manager world, wasn't he? Like, buy, buy loads and, and, and get, get one out for some good dog. But Baz was another one. You know, Is that where he got the raincoat from as well? But probably, yeah. Probably. <laughs> but everyone loved Baz. Everyone wanted to play for Baz. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't dislike him. In terms of, you know, it, did you play in any Birmingham Villa derbies then during that time? Or were, no, were they no, always a different part? Yeah, not, not, not during that time because I think Blues were out the top floor for 16 years. Yeah. I, I always say it's re- re- really similar Blues and United, really similar clubs. I lived in, you know, the, the neighbour's shadow for a long time, similar sort of fan base, passionate people, want to see the game played a similar way. So I didn't play any in the first spell, but obviously when I came back the second spell, I was fortunate enough to play in a couple then. That's one. So, Trevor Fan, uh, what went wrong with Trevor Francis then? Was it, did you not um, get to I, or was it just that contrast with Barry Fry that just didn't sit with you? Or Well, Trevor, Trevor came in and the, and the first thing he, he wanted to do was, was to bring in his own, as, uh, bring in his own players, as, as every manager does. And he, and he brought, they called it the famous five down there. He brought in Gary Ablett, Steve Bruce, Barry Horn, Paul Furlong and Mike Mule. They were all big hitters, you know, big, big names, big careers uh, at the time. So, obviously, his front two was always going to be Newell, Newell and Furlong. Um, Furs was injured a lot and Newell, he just, he just didn't happen for Newell there. So, in Trevor's first season, you know, I was player of the year. I scored 19 goals, done really well. But I, I always felt that it was never enough. And the second season, I'd scored eight in the first 14 games and he left me out. Uh, and then we just... We never really got on from that. I mean, I think there was only Martin Granger out the Barry Fry, Barry Fry signings who really lasted any length of time there. But, you know, I'd scored eight in 14, then he, then he left me out the team. And I never forget, we, we played Chef United away and he left me out the team. I was coming to the last, the last um, I was in the last year of my contract and he was saying, well, how much do you think you're worth on today's market? And I said, well, I don't know. And then he proceeded to tell me, well, I value it about two and a half million. 
uh, and that would have been Blues's record signing at the post. So if you value me at that much, why aren't you fucking playing me? <laughs> and you know, it was just just one of them with Trevor. I just we never got on. I wasn't one of his players. I, you know, I've, I've spoke to him since, and I've seen him since, and it's a shame because Trevor's got down there. So when we had the bit of a fallout, you can imagine I, I got all the grief. But it was great to come back the second time and sort of put the record straight. But we just we just never really got on. You know, we never really had any blazing rows. I just don't think he really fancied me as a player, and I really didn't fancy him as a manager. I think what did one of those eight goals you referred to there come at Bramall Lane? In a, it was a four-four game at the start of the season when you joined us later that season, wasn't it? I think it was an absolute yeah, belting yeah, no, game no, at the start of the season. Yeah, I remember that. It was a great game, four-four. I always take piss out of Lee Sanford about that because I've got a couple of runs on video where he looks as if he's moonwalking and I'm running past him. <laughs> I still, I still speak to Sandy. And right at the death of that game as well, I've had a run from the inside the own half and I've nearly scored the winner right at the death. Put it, put it past. But yeah, I remember that game, the four-four. Yeah. How did, how did the move come, so that season then? How did the move come about to, to Sheffield United? Steve Thompson signed you, didn't he? Yeah, Tom, I got on great with Tom. I still speak to Tom on that. Um, he obviously knew I was coming. It was my final year at Blues. Couldn't couldn't come to any agreement with, with Trevor. And obviously, I didn't want to stay there because if I wasn't playing, you know, I didn't want to stay anyway, regardless of what the deal was going to be. Tom always rang me up and said, would you come up? And that was as much as I, you know, obviously I knew the club a little bit from playing there. Uh, knew Tom all well. And it was something that you know that I fancied from day one. So it was a case, Dev, do you want to come? And it was, yeah, I'll be up there today. And we'd done the deal in half an hour. It was a bit of a tumultuous time to come to United as a club because obviously Tomo had yeah. taken over. I think we were one of his first signing, I think, wasn't it? After he took over from Nigel Spikeman and we'd had the, the sale of Dean and Fjortoft and, you know, cup run going in the background. So there's lots going on at the club at the time. Did it feel like it was a club that was just a little bit rocky at the time when you joined or did it feel yeah. like there's somewhere I can come and make an impact? Very very much so. I felt sorry for Tomo because he, he came in after the Kendall and the Spackman era where they'd, where they'd really splashed the cash. They'd threw a few quid around at players mm. and, and the, you just mentioned a couple of class players there and Tomo had to cut his cloth a little bit different. So, you know, when you're going from signing the likes of Brian Dean and people like that and then you have to you know go down a level sort of thing it's ne- it's never gonna never gonna be the same so I did feel sorry for it because he never had he never had the wherewithal that the previous couple of managers had to, to, to put his stamp on the team. I mean obviously that first year there was the, the Newcastle semi final which I, I was gutted I was cup tied so I couldn't yeah. and Trevor only Trevor only put me on for five minutes in one game and I'm convinced to this day he'd done that to cop tie me because he knew I was going to Sheffield United. Put me on for five minutes in an FA Cup game. Well, and um, we don't have much good to say about Trevor either to be honest. No, no, no <laughs> uh, yeah I can guess that. But yeah uh, and then obviously we, we got an update in the playoffs to a to a really good Sunderland side and then and obviously Tomo went so I did feel a little bit sorry for Tomo because he he, he never he never had he never had funds to go and spend really I mean he always came across to us as fans like it was almost like I'll do it to end of season so I want to help out but it wasn't sort of like I've got this job I'm going to make it my yeah. you know almost like I've got to do it so I'm going to give it a good go but it might be a bit too much for me almost, you know. Did, did that come across in the dressing room? Or? No, no, listen, Tom was a United fan uh, and, he, and he wanted the job. But I just I just think, um, I think he knew that he wasn't going to get it. So I don't think he wanted to come across, oh, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 and it, it ends up in a big fallout. I just think he realised he wasn't, he wasn't going to get it, uh, regardless of how, how well he'd done. But no. Listen, if you'd have offered him the job, he'd have, he'd have snapped your hand off. If you'd have said, there's a three-year contract, he'd have, he'd have been there the three years. 
Who who well, did you pal on with then when you first arrived at United? Who who were the players in the dressing room that you kind of? Uh, uh, well, I, I was lucky because we always had a we always had a little contingent to come up from Birmingham. We had me, Pesh, David Kelly, uh, Peter Unloved. We always used to we used to come up together, but got on really well with Lee Sanford. I still speak to Stan, Stan Ian Hamilton, uh, the two youngsters at the team, uh, Quinny and, uh, and Curtis. Got on brilliant with them. Fucking daft as brushes, a pair of them. So yeah, but everyone really, you know, everyone. That needs answering, by the way. Who was What's that? Yeah, it was the bigger boozer, Katie. Right, it's, it's a tough one, mate. It's a tough one, but I think I think if you was going point for point, I'd probably just come down on Quinner. I'd probably say Quinner if you're going point for point. But they can they can both motor. You know, you don't want to be getting in a round with either of them. <laughs> but the offer's there actually. Apparently, when he's coming up, yeah, we're going out for a few, so better take my uh, credit card out. But obviously, then so. That season we talked about Turbulent and then Warnock came in and you touched on it earlier, Paul. Well, it seemed a little bit like he took he was seventy percent more calmer than he was at Notts County. Did, was he was it sort of his yeah. because it was Warnock's club, did you feel like he was trying to do things a bit differently than he had in the past and things like that? Or do you think it was just down to experience? I just, I just think I just think obviously he'd adapted as a manager, you know, we're sort of talking ten years down the line. You know, he'd probably managed seven or eight different clubs. Definitely got the impression that this was the job that he'd always wanted. And it was the job he always wanted. You know, he was a United man through and through. Uh, and, he, and he came in. And, and I think for sort of a year, 18 months, he, you know, he, he made additions. He brought young kids through. Thought he'd done really well. You know, he, he'd done something that a lot of managers couldn't have, you know, couldn't do in the past. He got, got, got us up there to the to the top floor. Not while I was there, but I think you've got to give him a lot of credit. Man, I, I, a lot of blades slag him off. And I just think, you know, you've got to remember the good things he did for the club, regardless of what you think about him and how he left. Look look what he did, the, you know, and uh, he got the most out of a lot of players. Like I said, I think I, I probably had a year 18 months where I played probably some of the best football in my career under Neil there. But yeah, you, you could tell it was the job he always wanted. Certainly that first game under Warnock. What a goal that was. It was at Portsmouth, was it? Portsmouth, yeah. Yeah, well, do, do you know what? It's funny because I don't know why. I don't know whether I'd been injured or something, but I wasn't due to playing that game. But I think I think it might have been Curtis, actually. Got injured or something, so he, so he put me in. So that's just how a little bit of luck and a, a, a bit of fight can happen. But yeah, we beat Portsmouth, didn't we? I, I remember that. Yeah. But when you look at the state of the club when, when he took over, because obviously he took over from... Heath, Adrian Heath's kind of yeah. ill-fated spell. Um, I, you know, and I've been one that's given him a bit of stick over the, over the years. But in fairness, come where where we were when he took over and where we were when he left, it's you know kind of chalk and cheese, isn't it, really. Yeah, I mean, in, in you, you know, in charge, you was a lovely bloke, but he came in and it just it just didn't happen, and it did it did feel like after he went, where's this club going? It felt like we were in a little bit of disarray. And Warnock come in and he, and he steadied the ship and, you know, he got us going. I know, obviously, you said you listened to, to, to Quinny's last week. He said, I think the first training session, Warnock was telling everyone to, you know, right, get your boots on, get your pads on, we're having a proper yeah. training session. We're putting tackles yeah. in. And, and that well, was that seemed like a change from what Heath was doing. Well, uh, Neil always wanted you to train how you play. I remember when I first went to Knox County, Thursdays now, every pro will tell you Thursday. Nice, easy, five aside. Don't want to get in Friday, you do virtually nothing. Saturdays, you play your game. So, what he'd do on a Thursday at nights, you'd have a five aside, a really small one, 
a really small father side pitch. You probably have eight aside, so you're always bumping into each other. So the right one. Everyone in the studs, everyone in the pads, anybody pulls out a tackle, you don't play Saturday. And he'd literally have you smashing each other in training. Um, but that was the way Neil operated. And he, he didn't do it as bad as that at the night, but it was similar. Pulled out a tackle in training, you, you went playing Saturday. And he liked that. He, he liked people to um, to stand up for themselves. He liked people to get to get the footing. Uh, then you know that that was all that was all part of his sort. He used to build the you know the siege mentality. Everybody hates him. Everybody hates us. And blah 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 and all that. But yeah, that that was the way he was. No. In terms of that sort of uh, fight and you know battle, I guess you were always a player who talented, you know, tricky winger, direct pacey, but you'd also got that little short fuse at times as well, hadn't you? So, what, what, is that something that you'd always had and you brought yeah. it into the game with you, or is it something that as, yeah. you, as you progressed, developed? Well, uh, Neil will tell you a funny story. When I first signed from uh, from non-league to Nuts County, they used to, for a booking and sendings off, used to get points then, depending on what you, how bad the offence was. It, it was so many points you got... And he didn't realise when he saw me from Notts County, I was already suspended. And I had the record ever points tally in the season you know, for sending off and, and bookings. But that, that was always part of my game. Or, you know, and people forget, when I first started playing, the defenders, the fullbacks, they were allowed to kick fuck out you the first couple of tackles. And the ref wouldn't... It was like, have a free bash at him. So I always had in my head, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick lumps out the defenders, not the other way around. And David Kelly always used to have a laugh and a joke with me about it. He says, you're the only winger I know that ter- terrorises and kicks fullbacks. But I always caught, most wingers don't really like this. And it tends to be left wingers like it even less. Most wingers don't like that part of the game. But I always quite enjoyed it, you know, and probably took it a little bit too far at times. But it was all, the physical part of the game was always something I quite liked. Small man syndrome, I think. <laughs> do, you, do you think that did you a lot of favour with United fans then obviously the goals will help but we do like somebody who gets stuck in and I, I personally I was quite young then uh, watching you I took to you because they're out in your face I even yeah. talked about obviously the goals and that but that like combative style do you think that went down well with Blades fans I think it goes down well anyway because, you know, you, there can be a crap game going on and then all of a sudden somebody flies into a tackle or somebody closes someone down, makes a great block and it gets the atmosphere going. You know, it can get get things going but people people want to see a try, don't they? People want to see putting the effort in and not being scared to, to, to put your body on the line. I think I think one of the one of the most criminal things you can do in the game is, is bottle something, pull out. Do you know what I mean? You've got 20,000 people in the ground who want to be where you are that throw the face at that tackle. So I always, always saw, you know, that, that, that side of the game people approve. And it's not that, you know, it's not the nice side of the game, is it? You don't you don't you don't get credit for, you know, if you're someone like a, a Morgs who tackle, throw his face in there and he should get a lot more credit than, than he actually did. But it's part of the game where, you know, it's important and it can win your games that block on the line, that that final tackle. It's all right being the goal scorer, but you you've got to have people that can do the dirty side of the game as well. It's only the right, isn't it? That's what they call it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you talked about Kenny Sanson before being, you know, a, a really difficult opponent to come up against. But in terms of that physical side of the game, who's who's probably one of the more difficult fullbacks you, you faced up to? Uh, Stuart Pearce. Stuart Pearce springs to mind. He was he was he was really tough. I remember playing away at West Ham against Alvin Martin as well. He was tough, obviously. Uh, Martin Keown, people like that. I mean, it's really difficult because I've got a crap memory, and I've played against that. I've played against that many. You know, when you say like uh, 
pick the best player. It's, it's really hard because do you pick the best fullback? Do you pick the best midfielder? Do you pick the best goaler? But Stuart Pearce brings to mind. You know, yeah. it was it was just like part of a line and, and, and hard as nails and, and could play as well. So, you know, it, it'd definitely be up there. I wanted to ask you about one left-back in particular that played against you. And it, it's a bad memory game because it was against Wednesday in the beaters. But I remember Derek Geary facing up against you and he was quite a young lad at that time. Yeah. I've not seen many fullbacks to give you such a tougher game as what he did that day. No, but he's a good player. He was a good player. But I, I tell you, Ralph, who he reminded me of, there was a lad that was a fullback, similar size to, to him as well, Andy Thompson. And he was he was quick, always got stuck in. So yeah, he was a good player. And Tom, Tom I was a really good player. I always used to have a hard time against both of them, to be fair. You know, before this, I'd watched that season review video a couple of days ago just to, to do a bit of research before this. And I can't believe we battered Wednesday three games that season. I think we only beat them once. They, they nicked it against us in Cup at their yeah. point. And I think they nicked a point at Lane. With the yeah. goal went off, I think it went in off Curtis Woodhouse's arse there, equaliser. <laughs> well, it's big um, enough. But, <laughs> uh, but you, I mean, I, I seem to remember at Hillsborough, you were, you were really unlucky. I think you... Did you hit the post at Hillsborough? Or, or yeah, I think, I think so. I think so, yeah. I, I can't remember which game it was now. But, but I, do, I do remember. We, I might be looking at it through rose-tinted glasses, but I think we should have won all three of those games yeah. that season. Yeah. That, that cup game, Marcus Bent missed a sitter with about five minutes to go. Do you remember he put it over the bar? Yeah, he did. Yeah, um, I vaguely. I remember it vaguely, yeah. Yeah. But that, to be fair, you can't knock Bent. I mean, he scored a lot of goals for us, so you, you can't no, knock him missing the odd one. You know, he, yeah, he, he no. done brilliant for us. He um he it was such a those three games that season I was it was the first derby for such a long time that cup game and I remember like it was it was my first time going to watch United at Hillsborough and it being like you know just unbelievable but then at the same time completely shitting myself that we might get battered and I've got to go to school next morning. Yeah. So, what was it like playing the Sheffield derby? Because obviously it's something we've all dreamt about slash. Yeah, lose sleep about going to watch. So, do you feel that as a player? Did he get excited? What did Neil do around getting you up yeah. for it, or did he did he have to even? Well, I, I think he was as nervous as us. But yeah, it was you know uh, the biggest club game I played in up till then. I played in a Nottingham derby, which was fantastic because that didn't happen that afternoon either. Notts County, Notts Forest, mm. that was brilliant. But the, the, you know the Sheffield derby was even a, a league above that, and you just. You want the game over and done with, and all you're thinking about is don't get beat, don't get beat, because you know you want the bragging rights. You know all the lads going to work on the Monday morning, they want the bragging rights. So it was ma- it was massive, and um, and obviously to get to get one over on them as well was brilliant. But the, the game, uh, you know, you, you are nervous leading up to it because managers will come out and say it's you know it's only three points and all that bollocks, but it means it means a lot more. It means a lot more to the players. Means a lot more to the fans, so it isn't only the three points. It's your it's your local derby, and you want to beat them. But they're, they're brilliant games to play, as long as you don't get beat. Brian, Brian Robson tried to pass it off as only another three points, didn't he? When when he was here, he, he tried to play it down, and it just didn't it just didn't wash it all there. Yeah, you were you were a lot of managers do it, and and all the players think they're talking rubbish anyway, and all the fans know they're talking rubbish. So I don't know why they do it. You know. They're, 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 they're trying to take the pressure off the team, but you, you, when you're playing in a big game like that, you can't take the pressure off the team. The players ain't daft unless they're foreign and they can't speak English and have never heard the United and Wednesday. They're going to know the importance of the game. So I don't know. I don't know why managers try and do it. Even to this day, they try it, don't they? So that that season there, I think that'd be so that'd be Warnock's second season, your third. You you were flying that season, weren't you? I think yeah. you 
finished in double figures with goals and you were you know, I mean again watching the, the highlights video you were you were involved in in so many of our goals for for people like Marcus Bent and David Kelly and people like that you yeah, were yeah I think that was 2000 I think I got about 11 or 12 from from right side there and I, and I, I got about 15 or 16 assists so that was probably my best season at United yeah we, we you know we, we, we were doing well obviously brought Brownie in um Jags and Monty and people like that, Tongi, they were coming through. So we, you could tell it was maybe this is the start of something. But yeah, it was a good season. For, for me personally, it was, a, it was a good season. Probably my best season at the club. You and David Kelly always seem to have a, a, a good kind of relationship on the field. Was that the same off the field? I know you said you yeah, wanted to meet up and down to Speak to Ned uh, all, all the time. He was a great fella. You know, he, he, was, he was at the end of his career. I actually got him that move. I was in Cyprus and I was on the piss with him. He always used to have a place in Cyprus and he was out of contract. And I went, what are you doing next season? Oh, I don't know, I don't know. So I rang Neil Warnock. I went, David Kelly's there, why don't you sign him? I, I was half pissed, not thinking that Warnock could take any notice. Next thing I he's at pre-season with us. So yeah, but Ned was brilliant. And he, and he was, Did you get a finder's fee for that? Eh? No, no, no. I, 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 never, I never got me cut. But he, he was great. For, he was great for people like Benty as well. Because you look at the career that Ned had and the clubs he played for and the goals he scored. He was a, he was a really really good centre forward. So you know he was brilliant to have around the place. He went on to work with Neil in the coaching coaching capacity, and uh, the lads the lads loved him. And you know someone he looked up to. Always helped the young kids. A real real good man to have about the place. You mentioned there. Sorry, go on, Joe. No, after you, Ian. Sorry, mate. I was going to. Sorry, I was going to say you mentioned uh, Marcus Bent there. Obviously, there was a, a well sort of publicised uh, uh, incident with Marcus Bent. How did it come about, and and how was it settled? <laughs> right, we were playing a game. I'm, I'm, like I said, my memory's crappy. But I think it was a cop game, and uh, might have been Lincoln or someone like that. But we won four or five one something like that. And I, I'd set up. I don't know if the bench he got three or four. I don't know. But I'd set up two or three of Benty's goals. And then there's one time, he's on the byline. And all he's got to do is cut it back to me. And I'm tapping it into an empty net. And he's tried to score. I'm going, you fucking hell, I've just set you up with three goals. You won't even pad. So we've had a row. And so the ball's gone down the other end. And we're still rowing in the other box. So there's a bit of pushing and shoving and toing and throwing. And that next thing you know, Warner stops again, drags Benty off. So I carried on the game, thinking nothing of it. Walk in the changing rooms. Benty's standing there, start ball at naked. I've got all my kits on, my boots and everything, ready for a scrap. So I'm, I'm gone to where I used to stand on that side of the church. And he's coming over and he's getting closer and closer. So he, he's a good bit bigger than me, Benson. So as he's leant down like that, he's gone to go head to head with me like that. So I think, well, this is probably the only chance I'm going to get. He's a big lad. So as soon as he put his head down, I've like, I'm bang. And I've head-butted him as hard as I could. In his mouth, and we're having a roll. So he's start ball at naked, soaking wet. I've got my boots on and I can't stand up. So we're rolling round on the floor. Warnock's going, let him get on with it, let him get on with it. <laughs> in the end, the lad, the lad, it lasted about 30 seconds. The lads have split it up. Uh, and Warnock's just run on, you're in at nine o'clock, you're in at quarter past nine. And we've both pulled up on the car park at the same time at Bramall Line. Nobody there, so I'm thinking, well, they are. Could be round two on the cards here. So Benny's got out. His lips like that. He's got about five stitches in his lip then. He's gone, I can't even drink a cup of tea or nothing to eat. It's killing me. And we had a laugh about it. Me and Bensy got on great leading up to that. And we got on great after it. It was just one of those mad moments where... He, and I can see why he was angry, because Warnock brought him off. What he should have done was leave us both on or bring us both off. 
Yeah. So I could see, I could see why, but it was just. I mean, I know Neil made a thing about it in his book, and a couple of people have said to me, "Oh, we, we never got on." But I'm sure if if you ask Ben, so we we never had a problem. It was just one of those things that happen every week. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, you've cleared that one up. Then tell us about the Michael Brown incident on the plane. Oh fucking no, Trinidad! The longest that the longest day trip I've ever had. I was only there twelve hours, and they sent me back. Um, yeah, well, it was it was a pre-season trip to Trinidad. Uh, no, not pre-season, sorry, end of season. Now, I used to hate that because no club makes you go away at the end of season. You go away pre-season. The end of the season is your own time with your family. So I really had my arse in my hands and I said to Warnock, I said, I ain't going after. I said, I always used to Glasgow for two weeks to visit my family. And uh, he went, no, no, you got to go. You're player of the year, blah, blah, blah. But we had a few foreign lads at the time, Bruno Ribeiro and a couple of other ones. He said, no, everyone's going. A couple of supporters are going and the, the chairman and all that. You've got to go. So when we got picked up in the coach, the foreign lads had just binned it, a few of them, and I went going and just never showed up. So I really had my arse in my hands. We got to Gatwick about five in the morning. Me, Lee Stanford, we've gone straight in the bar. So we're on the last. Curtis is coming, Quinn is coming. We've ended up the whole team on the last then, before we got on the plane. We were only on the plane two hours and we drank all the beer off the plane. So when I, had a, I never used to really get on with Brownie. I can't even remember why, to be honest. And I just, we, we, I don't know whether he'd said something or what, but I've just gone fucking by me on the plane. So they've had to move Warnock out of first class, put Brownie in first class and separate us. So I've ended up, we're, we're all drinking the duty free, the lads and everything. I, I wanted to kill him. And I, I can't really remember why. I just know we didn't really like each other, but we didn't get on. And um, so Warnock sat that side of me and we had the kickman Alan Gleason sitting that side of me. So I remember waking up and I'm lying. I got me, I got me back of my head on the kick, man, and my feet across Warnock, and the Lord stroking me to make sure I don't wake up. <laughs> don't, don't, let, don't let him fucking wake up and start drinking again. So we've got there, we got to Trinidad, and uh, he says, because we had like a civic reception thing, bear in mind all the lads are lagging, I'm, I'm paralytic. So he's gone to Alan Gleason, they ain't coming to the thing, get him in a taxi, get him back to the hotel, put him to bed. Under no circumstances, let him have another drink. So Willing Gleason's gone like that, and they fucking, I'll give, give, give me an harder job. So I ended up taking Gleason and the taxi driver to the bar, right? So I've kidnapped the taxi driver as well. So we're in, we're in there, Warnock's come back, and he can see I'm at the bar with the taxi driver and Gleason. Poor old Gleason's gone white, and Warnock's just gone, oh, I can't believe it. So we had, because of the time difference and everything, it felt like I'd only been asleep 10 minutes. He's called me down. He went, uh, I've realised I've made a mistake. You've got to go back. I said, fucking hell, I told you this last week. Don't make me go. So I was in Trinidad for about 12 hours. So it was the longest day trip of my life. It was about 14-hour flight to get there. It was there 12 hours. Then I was on a plane on the way back. But I had the news of the world because he, he rang me. I went straight to Glasgow. He said, Dev, the news of the world have been on. Um, they've heard that you were threatening to kill one of your teammates. And they were going to, because I think they were going to land the plane at one stage and, and have me arrested and all, all that. But no, no, nothing ever came of it in the end. But why not give me the tip off? Because I was due to fly back. He said, they know when you're flying back and they're going to have a reporter there and all that, blah, blah, blah. So I got my mate to come and pick me up in the end. But yeah, that, that was an eventful trip. And he said to me, please don't take the lads drinking today for the, the, the few hours I was there. I said, well, the, the lads can make their own mind up if they want to drink. He went, no, no, you know if you go and have a drink, fucking Curtis will go, Quinny will go, Sandy will go. So I didn't apply ball, but it, it was horrible. It was the worst trip of my life. So you can imagine, I was in the Irish coming back. Told me, missus, I'd pulled an hamstring. So then a reporter rang her. She's going, oh, you know, how's your hamstring? I went, oh, yeah, it's a bit, bit tight now. 
nothing to do with the fact that they were going to land the plane and have you put in a strike jacket and all that. So yeah, it, it, was, it, it, was, it was an eventful one, to say the least. So they've come up a few times already. It talks about David Kelly, talks about Lee Sanford, who wasn't the name, to be honest, I expected to come up. And obviously, Quinny and Curtis. Quinny stitched you up with that story last week. Opportunity to share share anything about any of them. them no, to be to be fair, you know, you know, I couldn't tell you after stories that went on, but no, they, they were good. And don't forget as well, they, they were a good bit younger than me, so you know, they, they were nightclubs and going out and all that. I was I was just pubs really, but no, they were the the, the thing that really sticks out in my mind about Quinny and Curtis that they were really good lads, really really good lads, good players, um, you know, lots of nights out lots of beer, but also that they'd put it in. But no, they, they, they were great lads. I, I couldn't, I couldn't fault any of them really that I played with at Sheffield. You know, I had a couple of altercations with people, but I wouldn't sit here and say I, I despised him and I despised him. They were good. It was probably probably find a few will say that about me, but I couldn't say that about about any of them. But the good lads, real real good lads, and and good players. You know, I, I still think to this day Curtis, you know, didn't fulfil what he should have been as a footballer. You know, his, his heart was elsewhere with the boxing. But, you know, at 18, I remember him, at 18-year-old captain of Sheffield United, in the middle, absolutely fantastic. Obviously, Quinny did get his big move to Newcastle. But re- really good players and, and good lads as well. I still speak to them both, you know, on social media now all the time. Curtis was, uh, he was going to be the next Paul Ince at one stage, when he, when he came through, you know, doing that kind yeah. of... Doing the same role that Ince did. Um, well, I, I remember him playing against Arsenal when Arsenal had Petit and Vieira, both of them six foot three, six foot four, and, and Curtis got the better of the pair of them. You know, he was, I think, at 18, 19, I think United turned down a £5 million bid from Rangers. I think any team, any team in the land would have signed him at that time. Obviously, career went off the rails a little bit, ended up going to Birmingham. Didn't really happen for him at Birmingham, and, you know, the rest history, he drifted out of the game eventually after going to a couple of clubs after Birmingham. But his heart was always in the boxing. And, you, you know, you look how dedicated he was as a, as a boxer. It was, it was unbelievable. But, you know, he, I think he could have done miles, miles more than what he, than what he actually did, Curtis. So, your time at United, obviously, um, came to an end. And I guess from a fan's perspective, it was hard to know what was going off at that time because it was, you know, you were well thought of as a player, you know, liked by the fans. And then there just seemed to be stories in the press, you know, talk of wanting a move, um, a perception that the performances weren't there and the effort wasn't there. And and it was, you know, perpetuated by the the, the rumours and the stories because as fans, you don't hear really what's going on. So what was going on? I mean, it was my, you know, I said, my biggest regret is the way it finished at United. My biggest regret in football, really, because I, 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 I was lucky I got the chance to go back to Birmingham and put, put the record straight. Obviously, I never get there at United. But yeah, you know, my, yeah, all my own faults. I mean, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you exactly what happened. I was, at, I was at Sheffield, obviously. I was coming to the end of my contract, and I'd have been 28, 29 at the time. So this would have been my last decent contract. And obviously, they'd cut right down on the wage bill. Uh, so Neil Warnock and, and Derek Dooley says, well, this is this is all we can offer you. We won't be offering anyone any more than we're offering you now. This will be our wage limit. Uh, nobody else will earn a penny more than you. They offered me two years. I said, well, I'm 29 now, Gaffer. If I'm, not, if I'm only going to sign, sign for a little bit more money, I'd rather have four years. So we to and fro, to and fro, 
And in the end, went, yeah, okay, we'll give you that same money, but we'll, we'll add an extra two years on. So bear in mind that they told me all that, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, so I signed the deal for four years. Within a week or two weeks, they bought in Kyla Saber on double. So I got the ump about that, to be perfectly honest with you. So he'd locked the way. I think he told me this was blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I got tapped up. I got tapped up, basically. Crystal Palace rang me, Steve Bruce. They would, and they, they, obviously, London club, they were looking at paying a lot of money. You know, I'd probably triple, quadruple my wages to what I was on at United. So I got my head turned. Um, so I went back to Warnock, blah, blah, put a transfer requesting. And then obviously it all sort of escalated and got out in the press and, and went downhill from there. Then obviously Steve uh, left Palace and went to Blues. So I was left high and dry, really. Um, I remember having a, a few arguments with fans and that. And, uh, you know, so I've been speaking to a couple of people on Twitter today and they said, you know, you just stop trying. It wasn't that, you know, and I, that, that wasn't me. I was playing shit. Yeah, I'll give you that. I made a big turn. But so I disagree with that. It may have looked that I wasn't yeah. trying, but I was just, my head was turned, you know, and I was playing crap. Um, I think if you ask anybody that's played with me for, or watched me for every club that I've played, that's probably the one thing I've never been accused of is, is, is not, not trying. Yeah, I'll agree. I was playing shit. My head was turned and, and, you know, my head wasn't on the game. So I do disagree that I wasn't trying. Yeah. It may have appeared that way because I was playing that bad. And obviously, people are here and he wants to leave and that. So you, you have this certain perception. Um, so in the last month, form had gone out the window. I wasn't enjoying it. And then, uh, obviously, Blue's come in for me. So a fair play to Neil. He says, what I'll do, Dave? He said, leave you out the team. Stay at home. Uh, do you try not stay at home? We don't want you around the club. Get it all sorted out, and that that appeared all to fall through. Uh, so I was I'd like I'd sort of severed all my ties with United. Palace left me on dry because Steve went, and then obviously it looked like the Blues thing wasn't happening. So I, I, I says to Jono, who was at Blues at the time, "Fucking hell, Jono, I've burnt all my bridges here now, and it's not going to happen." So I went back to Neil. I said, "Listen, it's not happening. Um, if you want me to play, I'm I'm ready now. Get me head down, blah blah blah." And he put me back in the team for I never forget Norwich away. There was a game on the telly and I think we won. I think it did okay. So I put me straight back in the team. So as far as I was concerned, you know, that, that was it. It's all, it's all gone. I've got three or four years left on my contract. I'll see you, see you now. So coming back on the coach from, from Norwich, he went, you're going to Blues tomorrow. So I just, I didn't know, I didn't know what was happening. Then I went to Blues and, and saw for Blues the second time. But it, it was all my fault. And it is, it is a regret of mine to this, to this day that I, I probably should have gone about it better. And handled it better. I don't hold with the fact that I give up. You know, I, I won't accept that. It may, it may, it may have appeared that way because I was playing that badly. But I could, I could have handled it better. Um, but you know, that that's football. It's my biggest regret in football, really, because you know, a lot of people now mention that last month and they forget the previous three years, eleven months that I was there. So that you know, that's that's a shame. But you know, it's my own fault. I'm, I'm man enough to take that on the chin and. You know, I've got broad enough shoulders to know that I should have, I should have handled it better. It's good that you've got the chance as well to, to, to put it, put your side of the story across now, you know, even if it is a few years later. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, you know, I can never, you know, certain people will, will hold the opinion forever. Hopefully this sheds a bit of light onto why, well, you know, people still think, well, you're a United player, you should have still been focused on United. But, but it happens, I had my head turned and then obviously the chance to go back, you know, my daughter, was down there. I still had family in Birmingham. I was travelling up every day, and and you know I'm not going to bullshit everyone. Anyone, my, my head was turned to get the chance to go to to, to go back to, to Birmingham. 
So that that's it in a nutshell, really. But I, I could have handled it better, and, and you know, I, I didn't. Still leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So I can imagine, I can imagine how some blades feel. I posted uh, something on a forum recently asking for a few questions, and that was asked quite a few times. Yeah, the majority yeah, of people no, I, 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 all I, I said the same thing. Brilliant yeah. Yeah, I, I understand, yeah. and I've, sp- I've, sp- I've spoke to a couple of people on Twitter who have said today we'd, we'd like to know why that happened. So hopefully, hopefully that's shed a little bit of light. I'm, you know, I'm not using it as an excuse, but that that is that is what happened. You know, that's that's the bones of it. Footballers get a rough deal. Every every single one of us would go closer to home for more money. Everybody would. Yeah, but I, I actually went to Blues for the side money. I didn't go for now. The Palace thing would have been a, a, a great deal more. But I ended up going going for the same for the same money, so I didn't go there for any more money. The reason why I went there was purely and simply they had a chance of going up. I didn't think we did at the time, uh, and it was back home, so it wasn't a case of going for. If I'd have gone to Palace and I'd have been trebling, quadrupling my money, then I'd have said, "Yeah, I, I went for the money." And obviously, in that, and then this is how quick things can change. You know, three years, eleven months, great rapport with the fans, getting on brilliant. But that last month, it, it all soured. And, you know, I'd had a couple of arguments with people as we're doing the warm down on the pitch and people are saying he's not trying and all that. And, you know, I just I didn't know whether there was a way back, to be honest. I'll say one thing as a blade that it... Oh, cool. I was just saying, I would say that as, a, as someone who's, you know, as a blade, in the years afterwards, there's times where... Yes, we've had some we've had some reasonable wings, but there's times where you'd always say, I wish we had someone like Paul Devlin on the pitch. Yeah. For, yeah, that, for, the, that, for the contribution and I think that's the one thing I'd, I'd say tonight you know it's great to great to be your side yeah. of that situation but for me that I, I don't and I'm sure the other the other three guys would agree you know there's times after us we were just going go we wish we had someone like Paul Devlin going down that wing I mean, when we, oh, that, that, I've always used you as a, as a yardstick for what a, a, a winger should be at United yeah. well that, I mean that, that that's why the you know the, the not trying thing hurt me more than anything you know as a player the type of player and person I was the biggest insult you could give me was uh, he gave up. You know, the the one thing I never I never did in my career was give up. So, but I can see what people you know assume that, and it may look like it, but that's that's why I really regret the way it finished because some people think that I gave up, and and that that isn't in my in my nature. Ask any any lad that you get on here that played with me, uh, any lad that you get on that's played that's played against me, and I bet you won't find one that will ever say that. Yeah. Uh, fair play, great answer as well. Yeah, thanks for being so honest, Paul. So obviously, uh, Birmingham managed to get promoted to the Premier League before Blade, so you were justified in, in your yeah. uh, yeah. Obviously, that first time you've turned out in Premiership, I know we joked about it earlier that football did exist before it, but yeah. it, I've been at only been at three clubs or whatever, but played a fair amount of games. You must have been pretty big ambitions of a film making that Premier League debut yeah it, it was unbelievable and, and again I, I fucking got sent off in a pre-season game at Livingston so I missed the first three games of the Premiership <laughs> I got sent off in a pre-season game away at Livingston and uh, so I missed We had the first game was Arsenal then it was Everton then it was Blackburn Arsenal Arsenal away Everton away Blackburn at home so I was suspended for the first three games and we lost the first three games so fair play to Bruce Lee He's put me straight back in and we played Leeds at St Andrews. And Leeds had a real good team at the time. Mark Paducah, Robbie Keane, Harry Cure, Lee Bowyer, all, all them lads. And we won 2-1. Uh, and I got the first goal, which was the first ever 
Premiership goal at St Andrews, and we beat them two one. And we went on went on a little you know a little run then. So it was brilliant I to to get me my debut at I think I was thirty or thirty one. So to make my debut at th- no I was thirty to make my debut at thirty in the top flight to get Birmingham's first ever home Premier League goal to get the first ever Premier League win. You know, after being suspended for three games, is brilliant. And and that season we stopped up, we stopped up comfortable. Uh, you know, we ended up playing the Villa twice and beating them home and away. So it, it was a it was a dream season for me. Because it was that when Dugui came in. Yeah, Christoph Christoph came in. You know, you're there, you're there one week and the next week you've you've got a World Cup and European Championship winner playing with you. So uh, yeah, it was it, it was surreal really because he, he he came in and he was a brilliant lad as well. Great to no airs or graces about him. The coolest man I've ever met in the game and, and what a player. I mean. It doesn't really, when you talk about that team that won the World Cup and that, it doesn't get mentioned a lot, but you, you forget Zidane, Joel KF, you know. But he, he played a lot of football for them and you don't have the career he's had with, with being a bad player. So that, it was brilliant. So playing against Villa, how, was it com- <coughs> Excuse me. how did it compare to a Sheffield derby? Yeah, similar, similar. You know, you can, you can imagine, can't you? I mean, we hadn't played against the Villa in the league for 16 years. Uh, and it was a, it was a, I think it was a Monday night at St Andrews, uh, live on the telly under the lights, and it, it's probably the best atmosphere for a club game I've ever played. Um, it felt like the whole ground was bouncing, and it was. Do you remember Enkelman? The Enkelman incident. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. kicked it, didn't he, for Mike? Yeah, he's, no, he's got to control it, and he's yeah. like missed the ball. It was that night as well, um, and obviously we, we ended up winning three 0 um, so, so you, you can imagine. I mean, Blues hadn't beaten for sixteen years in the league. It, it, my first ever game against the Villa, we'd, we'd won three. And I always remember myself and Jeff Orsfield used to get charged next week. So that we all, you know, he was my big drinking buddy, Jeff. So we used to go out. And I just remember Brucey saying, "You two fuckers, be careful tonight. Don't go out. There'll be a lot of trouble in town." Yeah, all right, Gaffer, all right. So I think we got in about five in the morning and we're playing Paul up the Mercat up town. But it, it was brilliant. And then. Obviously, we 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 done them at Villa Park as well, so got a great first season. Is that the game that um, did Dan Dublin? <coughs> yeah, when uh, yeah. I think down the years, I think there was a few that wanted to not Sav. To be fair, but Sav was my room partner. I roomed with Sav for the for the first year he was there, and I got to say, he used to what everyone that he used to play against wanted to kill him. But he was a great lad, you know. Brilliant lad and a really underrated player. He was a lot better footballer than people give him credit for. But I still, to this day, don't know what he said to him. I mean, Dion Dublin wasn't like that, was he? Uh, so I don't know to this. I don't know to this day what, what people have asked me. What did he say to Dublin? I said, no, no, I was I wasn't close to it anyway because uh, I think they had two cents off that night. They had Good Johnson, a little uh, I think he was Icelandic kid that played from Dublin. Yeah. And I got sent off. I was always remember it was there was pockets of blues fans throughout the ground, so there was loads and loads of trouble inside the ground that night. And uh, obviously it was going bang off on the. Pit. I think I got booked before I touched the ball that night. I come on a sub, so I got booked before I'd even touched the ball. So, but it was brilliant, you know. That it was like I say, it was probably my dream season at thirty to get the chance to go back to blues, put the record straight about the way I left the goal. Stopping up comfortably, beating the Villa. I couldn't have wrote it any better, really. So, uh, Quinny was saying about uh, Steve Bruce and how there was a little... It, didn't, it wasn't that he disliked him, but there was a little bit of, you know, I'm Steve Bruce, 
a bit of an aura about him sort of thing. Um, yeah. How did you find Steve to be? I loved him. I loved him. I loved him. At, um, I played with him as a player at Blues when he came to Blues at the end of his career. Uh, obviously, his first job at United, I was there. And then he saw me back for blue. Oh, I got on great with it. And, and there is an aura about him. You get that with any player that's had that that career. Same when Christoph came in, and I'm sure Quinny will say it with Shearer and people like that. They have got that aura about them. You know, you don't do what them them blokes have done if, you, if you're not a top, top player. I, I always found him a really good bloke. He was very honest, uh, good motivator. Again, he was another one. Always had good coaches alongside him. He never really done a, a massive amount of coaching himself. Always had people to do that. But I would say, you know, him, him and Neil, that probably similar in that fact that they motivate people the same way. But I liked him. He was another one, Bruce. He'd rear up and he'd, he'd go off his head. But he knew where he stood with himself. I mean, I don't know, you know, because don't forget Quinny was only a young kid then at the time. It's mm-hmm. hard when you're a young kid, you got someone like Bruce effing and blinding at you and all that. So whether that's sort of, Soured his view of him, but no, I, I, I got on, I got on great with him, Bruce. It was interesting you said before, you know, roommate with Sav and uh, drinking buddies with Jeff Horsfield. I mean, that <laughs> I bet you had to watch yourself a bit often there, didn't you? Because uh, having listened to the Under the Cosh podcast with uh, with Jeff, yeah, horse is my pal. I mean, he only lives up the road from me now, so they used to sing at the blues, feed the horse, and he was, you don't need any more fucking feeding. Let me tell you the stories <laughs> of him. You got to stop feeding him. But yeah, Jeff, Jeff was my drinking buddy and, and Sav was my roommate. But Sav had this thing when we used to go to away games, we'd always share a room. So you'd get there, I don't know, whatever time, five, six o'clock in, in the evening, and so I'll be down at seven, half seven for your dinner, everybody in bed for nine o'clock. So you'd all eat around the table. And Sav would say to me, Right, I'm going back to the room now. Don't come back to the room. Give me half hour. Thought, well, what's he doing? So I had me all doing what he could be doing. He used to go back. I'd open the door. Do you remember the Pink Panther with Kato used to jump out on him? I'd, yeah. I'd open the door. So where is it? And he'd be hiding somewhere, right, Sav. He'd be in the wardrobe, fucking behind the shower curtain. So I'd be looking like that. Always naked. Always start bullet naked. And he'd jump out and, and have a wrestle with me. So I'd get, <laughs> used to get him. Like, we'd be fighting, rolling round. So in the end, I'd get him and I'd choke him like that. And he'd have to tap out. And then he was back to normal. And, yeah, come on, let's get the telly on. And like, but we had this ritual. Every away going, I've gone, Sav, if anyone comes to the door and they see me lying on top of you naked, strangling you, what are they going to think? But he was, he was absolutely crackers, Sav. Brilliant fun, really, really good fun. Like, so the kind of player that you want on as a teammate, but as an opposition player or fan, is the, is the villain, isn't he? So. Yeah, I mean, and like I say, for two years at Blues, he, he was our best player by, by a million miles and he was player of the year and, and all this and that. And, but he, he was, he was a lot better passer. You know, he scored a few goals. He was underrated. Everyone loved him, but he ended up in a similar situation to me. His head got turned by Blackburn because his mate with Mark Hughes and Mark Bowen and he left Blues and the Blues fans all tur- you know, turned against him sort of thing because he said he wanted to be closer to home. And where he lived, Blackburn was actually four miles further away. But so it, it was one of them, you know. And but, but he, he was a good lad. So I speak to him now and again as well. But and a good player, yeah. Well, you, you want him in the trenches with you, definitely. So what, what was after Birmingham? You were there. Was it three years you were at Birmingham after that? Yeah, I went back for another two years, and so I was. I would have been thirty-one-ish. You know, maybe the wrong end of thirty-one. Uh, and I, I had two years left on my contract. 
And Bruce, he says to me, he says, you're not, you're not going to play every week. Well, as soon as I hear that, then th- th- that's it for me. You know, I, I wanted to be a footballer because I want to play, not because I want to sit on the bench. So I could have quite easily sat there for the two years and, and, and took the dough. But I, I wanted to play. I thought, well, I'm 31 now. You know, my, my playing days ain't going to be much longer. And Ray Lewington rang me um, to go to Watford. Look, Ray Lewington, top, top fella, real top fella. Went down there and, and I had three years down there. You know, I, I wasn't the player I was at United and Blues when I went there, if I'm being perfectly honest. I, I was over the hill and I, I remember sort of halfway through my spell there. And I knew my legs had gone with that little bit of pace to get away from people. So, you know, Watford never really saw the best of me, but fantastic club, different club, uh, different sort of set of fans to what I was used to with Blues and, and United. Um, but no, I liked it. I didn't like living down there, if I'm being perfectly honest. I didn't mind when I lived in Sheffield for a bit or lived in Birmingham. I didn't like going down south. But I had three good years there, three, three decent years there. During that period at Birmingham, sorry, John, I was saying, during that period at Birmingham. They were like, to sign you, there was a bit of a gift loan. Like, did Elton John or something have to stump up a mystery bit of cash to get you through the door? Or am I making that up? Yeah, and that's as far as it goes without and done, by the way. Now, um, yeah, it, 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 the club, again, the, the club were coming out, very similar to what happened with United after after Kendall uh, and Spackman. They just had Viali in there. So Viali had spent a lot of money, brought a lot of players in. The wage bill had fucking gone through the roof. So Ray Lewington's come in, steady the ship get rid of all the big earners, bring new players in. And uh, Elton John said to me, he said, well, I'll, I'll fund one player for you. I'll pay the fee and I'll pay the contract. And that was, you know, that was that was what he said to Ray Lewington and, and Ray, uh, Ray picked me. So that was, I never actually met him. He did give me a shout out on stage at Vicarage Road one day. So you can imagine the stick I got from the lads for that. <laughs> he's talking about me and he's on stage before he sings Tiny Dancer or something like that. So the lads are all there. You can imagine what the lads the same when that's going on but tiny, yeah, wing, um, tiny winger yeah tiny winger <laughs> but what, what I will say though I mean we, whenever we were away games or even at home he'd always ring up if he wasn't at the games he'd always ring Ray Lewington had the lads play blah blah and, it, and he was a proper fan he wasn't an armchair fan and he knew his players he knew oh, how's he played how's the injury so it wasn't just a case of there's money I'm from Watford he really really does have the club at heart and you know he, he's always got an interest in it but yeah, it was you know it was nice nice of him to do it. Uh, obviously, nice of Ray Lewington to, to decide he wanted he wanted me. So during that period, you also was you while well, you were at Birmingham, I think it was you got you, you got capped by Scotland, didn't you? You referred to family in family in Scotland before. So what, what what's the what was the link and and tell us a bit about playing international football. <laughs> Yeah, well, my dad's from a place called Coatbridge, which is just outside Glasgow, and all that side of the family. Um, so, you know, it's not a distant relation. Every school holiday when I was a kid used to be spent up there. So, they are, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a close thing. And again, I was, um, I was 30. Everything sort of happened, happened late for me. And uh, our first season, first season with Blues, I got spotted and it just happened from there. Bertie Vokes was manager rang me, you know, would you like to come and play for Scotland? I obviously jumped at the chance, but I hadn't been playing any better than I had done for the previous three or four years for United. The only thing that got me the call-up was that we were in the Premiership, um, you know, and I was, play- I was playing against Premiership players because I was still the same player I'd been at United for, for the previous three or four years. So, yeah, I went out, you know, managed to get 10 caps. I mean, Bertie was another one. 
World Cup winner, blah, 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 but didn't rate him as a manager. I think what it was with Bertie, because he was used to working with Germany and, you know, world-class players. Scotland didn't have that at the time. We, we, we didn't have it. You know, we wanted to ask players to play in different positions and do this and do that. And we just weren't good enough. So it was a real, you know, it was a, it was a bad period form-wise. But for me, as a, as a 30-year-old, who was brought up supporting Scotland over England because the old man would have killed me otherwise. You know, it, it was great to get the chance to go. And I think when I made, I made my debut at Easter Road against Canada, I think I had about 30 or 40 people there watching or, or family and that. And to go on and get 10 caps, at, at, you know, at 30 was brilliant. But if I'm being honest with you, I didn't really enjoy it as much as I should have. I was, I was probably a little bit too old. I wasn't the player I was, and I just, I thought I would have enjoyed it a lot more than I actually did. To be honest, obviously, he was playing me out of position sometimes, and we were struggling. We were losing most games, but you know, I look back now and I think, well, to get ten caps, you know, I never got a goal, which knocks me. But to get ten caps at thirty years of age, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm extremely proud of. Who were the big players in the squad then? Because obviously you would have missed, well, by away miss like Gary Mack, people like that. Who were the big? Yeah. Paul Lambert. Paul, Paul Lambert was the captain. Uh, mm. Fantastic player, Paul Lambert. Probably the most underrated player I ever played with. You know, if people forget, he was a you know European Championship winner with Borussia Dortmund. You know. Up, loads of things with Celtic but he was a good player but no yeah Mr Big Eaters with Barry Ferguson brilliant player but you know Paul Lambert would have been the one who, who probably had the best career out, out of all those so, so um, touched, on, touched on Watford and then so what sort of happened after that then was it there was a spell where you did a bit of player manager as Bohemians over in Ireland, was it? No, no. I went to. I had. I had my my only ever operation in my career at Watford. Uh, operation on my foot. I've got arthritis in both feet, which kills me even to this day. So I was out the team for a long time, and then uh, Adrian Boothroyd come in, who's who's now the England under twenty one manager. Mm. And um, again, very very honest, a bit a bit like Bruce and Neil, which is all you can ask for. He said, "Listen." He said, I've got the chance of signing Chris Eagles, who was a young kid at Man U. Uh, he said, you're 32, 33. He's 20. It's a no-brainer. He said, but I'll help you to get away, which, which was brilliant. And I had a few clubs, Gillingham and Milton Keynes, Duns, uh, were in for me. They both offered me three years, but then Warsaw came in for me and offered me a six-month contract. But I could live in Birmingham, then you see. Mm. So me being fucking stupid again. Instead, I never took the three years, I took the six months at Warsaw. So I went to Warsaw and just really didn't enjoy the training. My foot was killing me where I'd had the operation. I couldn't do the things that I used to do. So after about, I don't know, probably half a dozen, a dozen games, I went to Kev Broadhurst, the manager who's a friend of mine, and I just said, I'm I'm done. I'm done. I've, I've had enough. I wasn't enjoying playing at the time. You know, I could have sat there the season, but I always said once I... Once I didn't enjoy it or I couldn't do it, I, you know, I'd stop playing. So uh, I went to him and I, and I jacked in on my, well, the day before my 34th birthday. Um, I had a couple of little spells. I went over to Ireland and a mate of mine, Gareth Farrell, he was player manager of Bohemians. Went over there and had a few months over there. That was brilliant because they, they played through the summer and they play on a Friday evening. So they used to fly me out first thing Thursday. So I trained Thursday, played Friday, and then they'd fly me back on a Saturday. So it would but Dublin of a weekend, so the temptation was there when it. So I was some, sometimes I missed the flight coming back, but no, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. But um, 
Gareth's got the bullet after about two or three months, so I jacked it in there. Came back, did a bit of non-league. You know, I love non-league, but you know, I still play now in the over 35s. And I'm nearly 50 odd now, so I still love having to run around. My roots are in non-league, so I came back, played non-league for uh, you know a few years and Sunday football. And now I play for the veterans, the, uh, the over, over thir- you know, over 35s now. But it's good, you know. We got a got good bunch. Uh, when I was at a team called Monica Star, myself, Darren Byfield, Lee Hendry, Lee Carsley, we all played. So there's some real good players still playing around in the over 35s league down here in Birmingham. So it's really enjoyable. I still love the game. Still love having a run around. Got sent off again last season, and I'm just wondering when I'm when I'm gonna, when I'm going to learn. <laughs> I was going to say you got to get straight red or two yellows. Oh, straight red. I don't, I don't mess around with the two yellows. If you're going to do it, you got to, you got to do it properly, isn't it? Straight red. Yeah, so, that, that, mind you, that's, that, that's my first sending off for a long time. I'm the, I am the locker, so I'm nearly 50 now, so I should, I should be knowing better. But that, that was my first sending off for a long time. But I still love playing. Just, I love having a game. It sounds like that's the equivalent of uh, when Chris Wilder ran uh, uh, Bradway with Witt in Sheffield, didn't it? You know, you turn up on a veteran Sunday league and you're up against you, Byfield. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, they, there's still a lot of lads. I mean, a lot of football, I find with a lot of footballers, they go, when they finish playing, they go one or two ways. They either blow up to 20 stone, I, I hate training, I've done my train, or you want to try and keep fit. I've always been in a, still want to try and keep fit and, and run around camp. You know, and I think with a lot of lads as well, they forget why they actually started playing football. We all start playing football because we love playing. We love playing football and, and, we, and we do it for nothing. But I think, some, especially with pros, I've, I've spoke to a few pros and I, I can't get my head around it. And it's like the hate football or the hate playing football now and they never do it. And I think, well, we all, we, we'd all do it for nothing anyway. So I've never lost the love of the game like that. And no, nothing ever. I had a little spell coaching and managing, but it lasted one or two games. It worked for me. You know, I don't think anything can ever make up for playing. I mean, how can you make up for running it eight in front of 25,000, 30,000 people and scoring a goal? You know, you, you can't make up for it. So did you get up to Bramall Lane at all? I mean, I guess you spend a lot of time around down at St Andrews. And... Yeah, I'm club ambassador for Blues. So I'm, I'm down there most home games and that, that's brilliant because, I, you know, I get to interview another ex-player. So I actually get to interview and, and have, a, have a beer and spend a day with some of my heroes, the likes of Mick Arthur and Tony Coulton and Noel Blake and people like that. But I, I get back now and again. I was back, uh, was it the season before last for the Blues game, funnily enough. But that was comical. I, I, I took my mate up. I, I didn't realise it was an evening kickoff. So we're up London Road boozing at 11 o'clock, thinking it's a three o'clock kickoff. And kickoff, it was a night game, wasn't it? So we've gone in and my, my, my mate Paddy sponsored the game. So we're all in there. There's me, Tony Agarna, my mate Paddy, uh, all the lads around this table. So anyway, the messages come up, Tofty's gone, Dave, come down the office. Because I played with Tofty at United and that's counter. So yeah. we're in the office with Tofty on, on the Budweiser before the game. So I can see him going out in the team. I'm going, you know, Tofty, you better go out and do the team talk, can you? We're, we're sat there, me, Tony and Paddy on, on the bar. But it was great to go up and see him. And, you know, he, he's, he's, done, he's done a remarkable job. Actually. You, you always knew he Tofty. He was one of them ones that was going to be a manager. A bit like Sean Dosh. I was, I was with Dosh at Watford. And there's just that way about them where you know that they're a student to the game. No airs or graces. Size it as it is. And uh, he's, done, he's done brilliant. I mean, fucking hell, he can walk on water up there now, can't he, Tofty? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, 
it'd take. I think if we lost every game six 0 for the rest of the season, this would still be one of the greatest ever seasons. It's it's, it's ridiculous. But well, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a travesty if he doesn't get manager of the year. You know, I think with I think with the virus and all that, I don't know whether that'll put a spanner in the works for they'll have it or not. But I, I think if you look if you look pound for pound, he's he, he's he's got to be in with a chance of it this year. They'll probably give it to Klopp, won't they? But yeah. you know, Tofty's done a remarkable job, absolutely remarkable job. I mean, as a player, Paul, then what would you found the eye, especially so? Say you in this. Current Blades team flying like confidence is high. You you are by and large overachieving, but there's a confidence, is that sort of you know resilience in you. And then this complete nonsense happens, and rugs pulled from um, underneath you. How do you think the players are going to manage that transition back to football? Well, it's a killer because if if you if you're at United at the moment, you you want to be playing twice a week because it's going that well. So it probably couldn't have come at a worse time for them. If you're one of the teams down the bottom, you're probably thinking, oh, th- thank God for that. But no, listen, it's difficult. It's difficult. I don't know. I don't know how you structure the training with no contact. Uh, if you can structure it with no contact, but it's going to be interesting. You know, I don't think the fitness, people on about the fitness levels, I don't, I don't think that'll be a, be a problem. The lads will all be keeping themselves fit. They'll all have programmes and they'll, they'll have a couple of weeks training under the belt before they start back. So I don't foresee that being a problem. But when you're on one of those good runs, you want to be playing every week or twice a week. And there's nothing worse than when you have a, a spell. It's like if you was playing well and then you get the international break. And you're off for two weeks. You're thinking, "Fuck you know, I could do without this." So when you're having three months off, it's going to be going to be really difficult. I mean, I'm hoping they pick up where they left off, but it's going to be interesting to see with everyone how they pick up, isn't it? Absolutely. I think I think one of the confident things we can have is the way that Tufty's got them fired up. It was interesting. He quote he's quoted in the press of the week saying, "You know, my players are ready to return at any point." It doesn't matter. Whereas you've got the Wednesday manager, Gary Monk, saying, well, we've got to be careful and bring the players back and I'm not sure it's the right time. And it's just a difference in mentality. And I actually think that might give us a head start on some of the teams we come up against Villa in the first game back. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah. And I can't I'm imagine Villa looking forward to it. Well, I hope they win that. I was at, mind you saying that, I was at the Villa game a few years ago when uh, United knocked them out the cup. That was, an, that was an eventful day as well. I was, I was in the United then, then. But, I mean, why have you got to be careful? That, that, you know, this is what Gary Monk's saying that. The lads have had three months off. So, everyone who's injured will be fit by now, in general, you would say. I mean, to me, what I think they should have done, obviously, starting the season against Brilliant, play the last eight games, then go straight into the next season. The lads ain't going to need a rest after these eight games and do a pre-season again. So, just tag the eight games onto the season. All this bollocks, all he needs a rest, and this ain't right, and that ain't right. I just don't, I think it's a myth. I think it's a myth cultivated by sports scientists and nutritionalists that have made this, oh no, he's, he's in the red zone and you can't ask him to do that, you can't ask him to do that. One of my good friends is Tony Morley and, and, and Des Bremner and they played for Villa when they won the European Cup in 82, I think it was. And they played, I think they played 64 games or 54 games that season with 14 players. Now I know the games, I know the game's different you know, and it's probably quicker now. But the guy, you know, the pitches back then and players were allowed to tackle you. I remember watching an interview with Ray Houghton and Ray Houghton said, you know, when he was in that real good Liverpool team, you were scared to tell the manager you were injured because if you got out the team, you never know. You never knew you were getting back in the team. So, I th- you know, what, what, listen, I, I probably sound like a, a bitter ex-player. You know, what do they need rests? What do they need this? But if I was a player, I'd want to play. 
I love playing when we had a, a Saturday game and a midweek game. If I could have played Saturdays and midweek every week, I'd have loved it. And I think most players would have done. Fantastic. So, what what are you up to nowadays? I, I, generally, to keep to keep income coming in and that, or you? Yeah, no, I've, I do I do a bit of personal training. So I've got about half a dozen clients. So I do a bit of PT work with. I've uh, I've been coaching kids for about the last ten years. I've got five venues throughout the Midlands where kids from four to fourteen in inner city areas. I'll do an I'll do an hour with the four and five year olds, then the six, seven, and eight year olds, and you know nine up to fourteen. So yes, yeah, still involved with football at you know at the very very grassroots level and football football and fitness basically. Fantastic. So. Are you ready for this one to eleven? Let's test this noggin. Yeah, hang on, hang on. I tell you what. I didn't realise how much of a, a, a blades connection it had had to the rock. And listen, this this is really hard. It's a really difficult thing to do. Uh, so what, what I've done as well, I've, I've picked with the ones that maybe there has been a better player, but I I enjoyed playing with them, and I th- I, I thought they done they done brilliant. So where do you want me to start, goalie? Yeah, yeah, who's it now? Right, goalkeeper Ben Foster. Ben Foster at Watford. Now that that was a close one. Obviously, Alan Kelly, fantastic keeper. He was close. But I go with Ben Foster. Right back, uh, a, a, another tough one. Played with Jeff Kenner, who was a, a, a Premier League winner with Blackburn. Really good player. Gus Ulenbeek. I loved playing with Gus. Really liked Gus. But I'm going to go with my old mocker who I played with at United and, and um, Notch County, Chris Short. One of the most underrated players. Yeah. Hard as nails. Fit as they come, brilliant for a winger because he'd say to me, "Don't bother coming back and defend. I'll give you the ball." Well, that fucking music to my ears. That's so. <laughs> Shorty was Shorty was brilliant. I as thought as well, weren't he? He could, he could motor as well. Oh, I? mate, he, he, he was brilliant. I mean, it was it was a real shame that his his career was cut cut short through illness. Uh, but he, he was he was he was brave. He was quick. Uh, a proper defender, short. So very underrated. He doesn't get mentioned a lot by people. But you know, I've picked him over a Premier League winner. That, that's how much I thought of shorter. And I think shorter United in the short. Forgive the pun. The short time he was with us. I thought was a brilliant fullback. Yeah, you know, and it, we, we probably didn't see yeah. enough for the best lots of him. Lots of comebacks on the byline as well. I always remember yeah. that almost his trademark. He put it on the penalty spot. Someone to just roll it in, like overlap. Yeah, he's about the fitness. When he said his first season before he broke in, he just stuck with stuck with Chris Shaw all the way through pre-season just to keep his fitness because he knew if he could keep with him, he'd be fit and ready. Oh, he was the fittest man ever, Shorty. And, and the illness that cut him short, he had something wrong with the sheaths in his muscles and he couldn't run. He couldn't run. He said at one stage he struggled to get upstairs. and that. So for someone who was, who was that hyper-fit to have that, I mean, it must have been. He's actually in charge of sports science at Oxford now, Shorty. Right. Yeah, but, and good lad as well. Great, great lad. Great company, great fella. Right, send her off. Right. Steve Bruce, got to go with Steve Bruce. Um, came to Blues, I think he was 36, 37 at the time. Just an absolute leader, Rolls Royce. Didn't realise how good he was till I played with him. Uh, not the biggest of centre offs, but oh, so aggressive, fantastic in the air. What, what he was brilliant at doing, say there's a ball coming up in the air, he'd go with the centre forward, at the last minute he'd drop off, bring it down on his chest and pass it. 
Um, and his passing was fantastic. And, and, and I think one season he got 17 goals, Bruce, for Man U. I know he used to take penalties up, but just, just brilliant player, brilliant person. Um, so, yeah, Bruce, Bruce is in there. And next to him? Next to him, well, oh, there's, there's two. But my mate Michael Johnson, fantastic, you know, and again underrated. But I'm not going to put him in. Uh, I'm going to have to go for the late, great Gary Ablett. Gary Ablett, fantastic player, great person, lovely left foot, you know, won untold things with uh, with Liverpool and Everton. But again, you don't realise how good the, you know, you watch them playing for Liverpool or Man United and you think, no, and when you actually play with them, and I know we had a spell at, at United as well, didn't he? I don't know how he done for United, but... He did well, done, really good. Yeah, really he, 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 done, he done brilliant. And I think when you see players like that who have had that career, and they're also good blokes as well. You think even more of them, don't you? So, yeah. I, I, but John, I was a very close second. Michael Johnson, very close second to him as my left-sided centre-half. I always wanted us to sign Michael Johnson. You know, every, every so often you have a player who you, you, always, you always wanted to sign. I always wanted to sign Michael Johnson. I was, he just he always looked like a... Brilliant. You know, I, had, I, played nine, I played nine years with John. Um, fast as they come. Great in the air, brilliant defender. And towards the end of his career, when they allowed him to go up for corners, could, could nick a goal as well. Because what yeah. we used to do all the time, we'd always leave Jono back because he was the quickest. Yeah. So when the, somebody actually put him up, he, he started scoring. But he was a brilliant player, Jono, and, and another great lad as well. Did you so play that, with him? So you played with him at Birmingham. Did you play with him at Notts County as well? Yeah, played him at Notts yeah. County. Played with, played with him at Birmingham. Um, you know, I think he played over 700 games, you know, you know, he went to Wednesday for a spell, then he derby for a spell. But yeah, he, he, he was brilliant, John. but I just shy Gary Ablett. Left back? Left back, another, another, another really tricky one. Quinny, Quinny was close. Quinny was really close. But I'm going to have to go for Martin Granger. I played with Granger, you know, a, a bit longer than Quinny. But Granger, Hard as nails, hard as nails, real, real good defender uh, and could, you know, he, he was good for half a dozen goals a season as well from free kicks, Granger. I mean, I don't know whether you lads remember him or, or know him, but he was... I remember real him good. Hit the ball. yeah. Yeah, he was a real, real good player. Look, I, my two full-backs, first and foremost, I've picked proper tough full-backs. You know, if I was a winger, I wouldn't want to be playing against, you know, I wouldn't want to be playing against either of them. So that 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 had been my back four, but Quinny was close. Quinny was probably a better player. Quinny was a better footballer than Grange. Grange would probably get you more goals, and and Grange would probably kick lumps out of you more than Quinny. But it was that was a, a close one as well. Are we four four two then, Dev? Or are we going somewhere a bit? More? Yeah, four 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 two. It was on the right hand side then. So I can't pick myself, obviously, Kennel. <laughs> oh, you can. <laughs> We're not I've judging. Got, I've, gone for the, I've gone for my old pal. My old driving partner, Peter Unlove. Nuddy was great. One of the trickiest players. It was like he was made of rubber when people used to try and kick him. He used to bend out of shape. But Nuddy was brilliant. And he was, uh, he was a bit similar to myself in the fact that he was a winger that could, could, could get a few goals, Nuddy. You know, he was, he was a good goal scorer and a good, good fella as well, Nuddy. So I've put Nuddy uh, in at right. I know a lot of the time he played left wing, but Nuddy was that good. You could have played him on either side. I would have said he still wears the gloves as well. <laughs> but I, I, I'd always imagine well, that, that, that nearly got him out the team because anybody that wears gloves, they ain't playing in my team, so that would get him out the team. 
I always remember him on the right for United, though. I remember him getting that hat trick against Rotherham on a Tuesday night on Love once. Uh, and yeah. all, he had an ability when he struck the ball to look like he'd completely mi- miss hit it as well, like yeah. in his like flailing body language. But like, great player for United over the years, I thought. Of yeah, it, it, I mean, uh, people used to try and kick lumps out of him, and he'd think oh, he's going to fall over. And all of a sudden, it was like his body was made of rubber. Then he'd bounce up and he'd get there, but really, really skillful. And uh, you know, we got a lot of goals in his career, Nuddy, as well for a, for a wide man. Who was in the middle part then? Right, Mark Draper, my first centre midfielder, played with him at Notts County. Uh, brilliant, I think, in his last season for Notts, twenty plus goals and centre midfield. You know, England under twenty one went on to Leicester for three and a half million, which was a lot of money at the time. Then went on to Villa and I think Southampton. Um, again, great lad. Still speak to him then again, Drapes. Went on holiday, went on holiday with him. The first lad's holiday with him. Him and Jono, that was my um, However we survived that, I don't know. But Where'd you player, go? Uh, Las Americas, Tenerife. Tenerife. I couldn't tell you some of the stories that went on there, though, let me tell you. But Drapes a good lad. Uh, good good goal-scoring midfielder. So, I remember, like again, you know, I've played with loads. Martin O'Connor. Absolutely fantastic player, and everyone that picks the favourite ever Blues team and ex-player, he's always captain in it. You know, brilliant player. So Martin was really close, but I'd, I'd, I'd go for Drapes. Drapes was skillful, but he got a, that degree of aggression, controlled aggression yeah. about him as well, hadn't he? Yeah, he was a good player, and, and, and like I say, he hits a few goals as well. But he was he was a real silky player, Drapes. He was another one again on the list of players that I always wanted us to sign that we never did. He, he was yeah. well. He, he was there was him and Gary Parker that I always wanted us to sign and play. Yeah, I mean Parker was a really good player, but I just think Park Drapes was probably a bit more mobile than Parker. They yeah. were both really good ball, but Drapes could get around a little bit more than him. Yeah, who was with him? Paul Lambert talked about him earlier on. Paul Lambert, um, just a, a Rolls Royce of a player. Really, really good geezer as well. Top, top man. Again, a bit similar to Bruce. You don't realise how good he is until you're playing alongside him. Um, proper midfielder, proper captain, could do anything. Lambs and uh, it, it, you know, I think it'd be a really good, really good centre. You know, centre midfield partnership. Then that's, that's a decent midfield. That yeah, it was that left. Uh, my old mate Leggy Andy Leg was was a really good player, but I can't I can't even think of anyone really by this man. Stan Lazaridis, um, Stan was absolutely fantastic. Flying left winger, really funny shape for a winger. He was about six foot two, and I think about five foot eight of them was his legs. He was a really, but, but Stan, <laughs> once he got going, he was so quick, and I've never seen a man who could get a crossing like him. When he, he, he used to get crosses in from impossible angles, Stan. But he, he, he was brilliant. Absolutely fantastic player, Stan Lazaridis. He'd be top assists at Blues year in, year out with, with his crosses. Uh, real good fella as well. Um, he was the one that used to read the financial times and all that. So he fucking stuck out, stuck out like a sore thumb on that bus with us Blues, lads. We <laughs> me and Jeff Orsfield and that. But yeah, I think Stan springs to mind. That was probably... Probably the easiest position not to pick the left winger was Stan. Right. So what, what, what are you thinking of that midfield for then, lads? That's that's, that's midfield. Yeah. I was going to ask you about United connections with left midfield. Did you play with Lee Morris? I did, yeah, but he was only a young kid then. St- 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 
I mean, I, I didn't play with Mazza as much. And Mazza played down the middle a lot of times as well. He played as a second striker. But, but Stan, I mean, I just think you look how long Stan done it. And Stan was an out-and-out. Out out. You couldn't play Stan anywhere apart from left wing. You know, Mazza, you could stick him down the middle and that. And, you know, I didn't play that, that much with him. I like to see you've got Lazaridis. Australian. Yeah, Australian, yeah. Did he, he, actually got a, he actually got a drugs ban a couple of years ago for using hair replacement cream. <laughs> he, was, he, was always, he was always mad about not losing his hair, Stan. And he got, the, the, I, don't know whether, I don't know whether he was eating it or wearing it or what, but he, he got banned. But he, he was still banned a couple of years ago. I always remember from like, uh, like football ma- like champ manager and that and footy stickers, he had quite a square head and his hair was like almost across yeah. here. So when you say that, it doesn't surprise me. He might have been there with a Sharpie pen before. But look, he was a real funny build. He, if you've seen him, he was a bit bit hunch-shouldered like that. He, he, if you've seen him in the showers naked, you're thinking he's never a sportsman in. But then I see you seen him on the pitch and when he used to get running and the way he used to wrap his ball around the foot, you know, he was he was brilliant. He, he was a fan's favourite at West Ham and, and Blues. They still love him down the Blues to this day. Did he come to Birmingham from West Ham or the other way around? No, West Ham to Birmingham. West Ham to Blues. Yeah, West Ham to Blues. I was going to say that midfielder. I was going to say, you asked about that midfielder. I thought, what you've got is, is two, like you say, powerful, skillful midfielders, but two wingers who could tear, yeah. well, tear I mean, full I mean, backs I mean, a new one. I mean, I, I'm biased, you know, I love 4 4 because I was a winger. And, and as a fan, growing up, I don't think there's anything better than watching a flying winger, giving someone the ball, watch them go down the air. I mean, you never what drives me mad about the modern day game? Everybody comes inside. There isn't any fucking wingers about now that go down the outside and get to the byline. You know, and as a fan, I used to love somebody running down the outside, getting getting a ball in the box, seeing the centre forward come and attack it. So them, them two lads that I've got wide, Muddy and Stan, they're getting to the byline all, all day long. You need to get to the times, Paul. It's centre-halves that do that nowadays. Have you not seen? No, well, well I, I always remember, right, to the, the second half of my career, the, the, you got to track back, help the fullback, and then the fullback's got to get forward and get the crosses in. So you want wingers that can defend, and you want fullbacks that can attack. Why not just let the fucking wingers attack and the fullbacks defend? You know, all these managers, it's like all these these formations, and he's a false number nine, and he's a withdrawn number ten. I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're making up. They're saying to the lads, listen, I'm going to say this to the reporters today for a laugh. Let's see if he pulls me up. Football's simple, isn't it? It's simple. All these coaches and trying to make up different formations. and It, it draws me mad, to be honest. So, Lazaridis, he's crossing in from an unusual angle. Where's he going? Who's, who's, who's he aiming for? Right, well, th- this was probably the most difficult um, front two. And I played with one at United, and he was at the end of his career, to be fair, and I, I didn't play along with him. But I think I've got to put in him... It, Put him in just for the amount of goals he scored, and he was a great fella. Dean Saunders, and have to put Dino in. Um, you know, obviously he, he was at the latter. I think he was 36, 37, but he still he was still lively. He was still sharp. And you look at the career he's had. You know, he's been a top top. Fella. And one one of the funniest blokes you could ever wish to meet as well. Great impressionist. Text the voices often when he used to tell us his stories. When he used to drive in with Paul McGrath to Villa and all that. Used to have everyone in, in stitches. So I put Dino in there and alongside him, got to be Christoph, got to be Dugarry. You know, probably 
probably the silkiest player that I've, I've ever played with. Really nice fella. Uh, World Cup winner. World Cup winner. European Championship winner. I'll just tell you a quick funny story about him. We'd gone to Malaysia. Uh, it was our first season up and we were in a tournament with Newcastle, Chelsea and the... Uh, the Malaysian national team. So we got to, we're all, we're all stopping in the same hotel, but a fantastic hotel in Malaysia. So we got there early hours of the morning. So Bruce is gone, brought everyone downstairs. So we're all suited and booted. But you know, Manaka, we've been traveling, I don't know, 16, 20 hours, however long it was. So we knew like, some of the lads like to go out and have a booze and all that. So he's laying down the law, Bruce, like, and we're all there, sat in the fire in this hotel. And he's going, right, listen, Dev, horse, fucking none of this, blah, 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 training, blah. And you know when you hear the, the, the lift door open, bing, and the lift door opens. Fucking Christoph's come bowling out in a pair of ripped jeans and a linen shirt, right? Like some out of Miami voice. <laughs> so it's about four in the morning. So he's come walking, and we're looking like that. And Bruce, he had a temper on him. He had a proper temper. So we're all looking. Everyone's, nobody's breathing. And Christoph's come walking past like that. And Bruce, has gone to him, Christoph, where are you going? He said, I'm going out. And he just fucking walked straight out the door, right? So all the lads, all the lads are going, oh, God, what's the gaffer going to say? What? So, like, he's, he's took a second, Bruce, and he's turned around to us all. He's gone, when you fuckers win the World Cup, you can go out as well. And he just fucking <laughs> trapped. But it, the, way, the way he done it was brilliant. But yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to put Christoph in. I mean, he only played about 15 games for Birmingham. But I think the impact that he had, you know, Birmingham signing a World Cup. I know they've done it before when they had Tarantini in 79, but for him to come in that year that we'd got up and he, he scored a couple of really, really good flare goals and he was just the icing on the cake. So I'd have to put... Yeah, but bear in mind, I'm, I'm picking them front two and they're at the end of the career. You know, yeah. Big Jeff, Stern, John, that, they were fantastic players in the day. I played with Tony Agana. Tony was brilliant, but he didn't score as many goals for Notts County as he did for United so you know I'm probably going to upset a lot of people you know that I know not putting them in that team but that's my team some team well you have got your subs bench to come so you can you can sort I, your... I, ain't pick, I ain't picked any subs you never said <laughs> pick any subs you said starting <laughs> no, sponsor. we did this to Quinny first of all who's your gaffer who are you having in charge oh well well I, oh, Bruce is obviously playing isn't he so I won't pick Bruce I'll go for Neil Warnock. Top man. Imagine Warnock managing degree. <laughs> no, not really. What do you say that? I can actually because you know what he'd do? He'd just let Christoph do whatever he wanted to. As long as he was doing well, he'd let him do whatever he wanted to. I think he did that when, uh, when, he, when he were at QPR when he had to rant. He basically said to him, do what you want. When they're that, when they're that good, you have to give them blood. You know, put some, you don't treat people different. You have to treat every player different. I always needed a kick up the arse. Other players need the arm around the shoulder. With Christoph, what, what can you say to him? What can you say to him? We, we were doing a gym session one day. Bruce would always give us a, a Wednesday off. So we'd work our bollocks off on a Tuesday. So we're doing a gym session. Some on a railway, some's doing... And it was, it was really, really hard. No, Christoph, no, Christoph. So he's, he's popped his head around the corner with a cup of tea. Christoph, drinking long hair down to there and all that. So, like, I don't know if Bruce or the physio. Somebody was on the rower, right? 30 seconds, Christoph, then you jump on the rower and you just went, footballer, not rower, and just went and drank his tea. But, Bruce, but because Bruce used to let him get away with it. And, and to be fair, there was never a problem with the lads because you're thinking, well, 
you look what he's bringing to the club. You've got to give him. If he was crap and he, you were giving him that leeway, you'd be, a, you know, there'd be a major problem. But I think you, you have to treat people different, don't you? Absolutely. Right. Do the rest of the lads not mind that then? So if they can see that someone's that good, do the rest of the team be? No, no. The lads didn't. The lads didn't mind it. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, you, you've got to give the bloke the respect for what he's done in the game. You know, he's came. He's, he's played really well. He's ignited the place again. Um, so no, the, the, the lads, and it was funny. It was funny to be honest. And, and Bruce handled it well because he used to make a joke of it. Look, you know what's he doing there and all that. So no, he handled it really well. And Christoph was a nice fella as well. I think that's another thing. If the, if he, he could have came in and been a bit arrogant, what am I doing here at Birmingham? You know, he's played for Barcelona. He's played for you know whoever. But, but he was he was really good. So the, the, the lads took to it. John, I think John was going to ask you before he's just had to, to dip out a minute. You've named a few extras there. Who, who do you want on your bench? Who, who would you? Uh, you've got a, you've got five or six there. You've already mentioned. I think. Well, I'd, have, I'd, I'd, I'd have to put the two lads who were close to getting in. So I'd put Jono and I'd put Quinny on the bench. Goalie, I'd have Alan Kelly. I think Alan Kelly had, had, had been my goalie. So a midfielder, Martin O'Connor, definitely. So how many is that four? Yeah. And up and up front. I'd have to put my old mate Orse. I mean, Orse was... I know he, I know he came to United for a bit and he, he didn't do too well, did he? But I've been played with him when he, you know, when he, when he did do well. He, he wasn't a 25-goal-a-season one, Orse, but he was, he was a 10 or 12-goal-a-season, but big goals. And what he did, when he played up front with Christoph, he used to run around and batter everyone. And Christoph would just do the little flicks and tricks and all that. So, yeah, they'd be me, they'd be me five on the bench, I'd say. That's the second second week running. We've had a very attacking team there, haven't we? So can I do yeah, but... that? I to uh, go to the little boys who have got Alan Kelly, Martin O'Connor, Jeff Horsfield, Michael Johnson, and Quinno. That that'd be my five. That is five, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Quinny had seven. <laughs> you, 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 well, he's never been the brightest. He's from Cornwall. He kind of don't can. <laughs> You're, you're on about an attacking team. I mean, that, that back four, take a bit of getting past that back four. Grimes he does his protection then. Sure, yeah, so Lambert could defend, Drax could defend. So, I, don't, I mean, listen, it's not as strong as Quinny's, I wouldn't say. I looked at some of the players Quinny picked, so, you know, that was a really strong team, but that, that would be a team that I'd, I'd, I'd put up against any I played in my, in my career. Decent side. Paul Lambert, captain. Yeah. Well, this is a really, really hard one because I'm torn between Brucey and Lambert. So, no, it's really... I mean, so it, it is literally the toss of a coin, but I'd, I'd probably go Brucey. Because he's sent her off. Vice-captain. Yeah, Lambert <laughs> could be vice-captain, yeah. Competition between them two, who was most popular between Villa fans? Well, I used to get a bit of stick on social media because I used to stand up and defend him, and it was—I I knew it used to wind the Villa fans. Up. I'm gonna—they're all going mad. Oh, and he's a lovely fella, real good bloke. He used to fucking hate it, didn't know, but no, he was he's br- br- brilliant, brilliant fella, Lambo, and you know, real, real good player, underrated, underrated player. I mean, it's it's some team. It's better than anyone else four have ever played with, anyway. I tell you that. But, um, <laughs> it's been. Honestly, uh, I think speak for all lads, and I'm sure anyone who's listened will say it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on, and hopefully you feel that you've got your point across about leaving Blades and 
and and that drawn a line under that because I, I still think despite what might have come out on social media for for anyone who was saying oh you're down tools he did that this that and the other if somebody were going to do a Blades 11 or a Blades squad or whatever, your name would crop up more often than not over the last 20 years and you're a player that we well, love having up at Lane. And you only have to you only have to look at that that's behind me. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, yeah. Where, where are you? Uh... He's got, he got sent off, so he's got a photo. I'm lying <laughs> on the bench, I'm on. Well, you're on there somewhere because I found you this morning. Yeah, no, I saw that picture. I've saw it, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that was and that was nominated yeah. by the fans, and yeah. I think yeah. that says a lot. Yeah. No, listen. I mean, I, I really, really loved my time up there. Met a lot of good friends. I mean, my oldest lad, who's eighteen now, his godfather Paddy's a, will be my one of my best friends forever. You know, he, he's up there. You know, love my time, tough day. You know, it's just unfortunate if if I could if I could erase that last month from my. United career I would but I can't but hopefully that's not that's not just what I've said tonight doesn't justify it I hope it just I don't think it tarnishes your legacy I don't think that I don't think that tarnishes your Blades legacy well, I think you'll always be seen I think you'll always be seen as a as a Blades great so that's, that's lovely brilliant thank you uh, well, you, are for, you are for me as well mate and I also think it's that was a time where we've not got social media football coverage were a bit different and it was like you know There'd be an article on back at Sheffield Star saying, oh, yeah. this, that, and the other. And then if that comes out on a Monday that you ask for more money and now you want to go elsewhere, and then we watch on Tuesday, people are going to watch it in a different way. And it, I think football generally has moved on. And I think the way people watch, fo- watch football and appreciate football has changed like um, massively. But it's been great. Well, let, let, let me tell you, that's a double-edged sword because I'm glad there wasn't any social media around for half the time I was <laughs> Especially when, when I was, especially was uh, when I was in the cricketers' arms with Big Bill, with Big Whitehurst and Paddy and the lads and all that. I'm glad there was no camera phones around there. That, that, that's a, that's a podcast on its own. That one, surely. That's a that's a spin-off uh, special. Listen, I always Big remember Cameron. Tony Agarna. Right, when very morning I was only a young kid when I played at Nuts Council. So I got to know Tony. He's gone, Dev, he said, your personality and the way you are, he said, you'd love Billy. You'd love him. You'd lo-. And he always used to say that to me. And then obviously when I went to United and he had the cricketers, I ended up getting to know him. I ended up, you know, good pals with Billy for, for the four years I was at United and spent, spent many a happy day, day and night in that cricketers. But I mean, it, it was good to get to meet him because he, he you know, he was a legend of the game for how, how tough and how hard he was, Billy. You know, I seen him when he used to come and talk to Bruce, you and Bruce he always says to me, he went, Dev, I've played against the best players all over the world. He said, and he's the only man that's ever frightened me to my boots. But it was like it was like a myth growing up to me. You hear about this Whitehurst, this Whitehurst, and then get to meet him. And and fortunately enough, I got on great with him. And we had some we had some great nights there. So it was it was a really good, really good few years up there for me. It's not open anymore, is it? Um, well, cricket is. Oh, yeah, cricket, cricket is. Yeah, cricket. I, I was in there. I was in there last time. <laughs> Sorry, I'll shut up. I'm showing my age, aren't I? Gone <laughs> to the letter, but um, like, like Quinny said though, um, if you come up for a game, if he's, if this like session with you, him, and that are planned, we'll definitely go out and uh, have a couple yeah. of years and maybe tell us a couple of tales that weren't suitable for the podcast, but. Definitely, I look forward. I look forward to it. You didn't. You didn't have to give up your evening to talk to us, idiots. So we we do really <laughs> appreciate it, mate. 
Hey, and you've got me on the bus. I said to my missus, I'm not having a drink till four. You got me on the bus. I'm going to get a bollocking when I go back downstairs now. No, just put the bus. It'll be fine. Just, just drop us in it. It's fine. Yeah, we said we can put us on the bus. It's normally four blades at a pub, so the only thing we can have pub-wise is a, is a couple of beers in house. Yeah, no, brilliant. I've, in, I've enjoyed it. Really enjoyed talking to you, lads. That's been great. Really great. Thank all, you. All the best for you with the um, coaching. All the best with Cheers. the team. And uh, hopefully see, see you for a pint when all this nonsense is over. Definitely. See you, lads. All the best. Cheers. Thank you. All the best. See you, lads. Ciao. If you go to a pub in Ireland... You have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put a on. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to find me with a... Right. Well, I'd say Peroni as well.